Welcome to the ninth edition of Spit and Silver and Black. I am Kalen Sokel, and I have a Raiders season takeover, super fan, and he's been to the Raiders Stadium groundbreaking, owners meeting, and everything leading up to the move in Las Vegas. Welcome to the show, Rocco. Hey, thank you for having me on, Kalen. Anytime. We have a jam-packed show for y'all today where we discuss the win-now attitude to the Raiders staff after the Golden Knights won immediately, how the draft picks helped the Raiders win now, and how the draft in Las Vegas will compare to the highest grade draft in history in Nashville. Rocco, what is your thought on the Raiders' win now with Mike Mayock saying that Mark Davis compared Mad Max Crosby to Tim Jenkins while making Cleveland Farrell the first of three first-round picks? Yeah, the draft was uh, quite interesting from my perspective. Um, you know, listening and watching Raleigh or uh, Reggie McKenzie over the last couple of years, and then Al Davis before him uh, making picks. This year has a different feel to it. Um, and I've been telling a lot of my friends and a lot of Raider fans to, to just relax, you know, just go through the process. And this year's draft was quite different in the fact that like Mayock has been saying that they wanted to draft foundational players and it's a strategic move and they've been doing strategic moves for the last since Gruden came on board. They're looking at bringing people in that love football, that want to play football, that also are high character guys and that's what it seems like with um, the individuals that they pick and especially in the first round uh, and actually all through that draft. They seem to have picked these guys that just have their heart set on being good football players, good role models, good people in general. And that's going to lead to, you know, for the, for the foreseeable future, looking, looking past this year, this last year at Oakland and then going into Las Vegas, they're looking for those individuals that are going to lead this team going forward and potentially be good players. You know, we would never know, you know, drafts are, are not set in stone with the players that they pick. But going forward, it looks like they're looking at specific individuals, specific players, and what, what do we call, what did, what did the media, uh, individuals call them? Rudin grinders. Now we could say may, maybe Mayock maniacs. All these individuals going forward and you'll see a, a good representation this year going into or finishing out this year and then going into or coming to Vegas and setting that standard for, we'll go back to the old saying, commitment to excellence going forward, hopefully, you know, for Vegas and bringing a winning attitude and a winning team to Vegas, which will be important for the following, you know, for for the fan base and for Las Vegas to get settled into this new stadium and a new NFL team in our market. Yeah, because, you know, the win-now attitude, they picked up half the draft picks were from Clemson and Josh Jacobs from Alabama from the national title game, where, which Mayak attended. And, you know, those players know how to win. They won at Clemson. They know how to win now, and they know how to lead a team and lead them to that winning mentality, which they will need after, you know, the Golden Knights came to uh, Vegas and won immediately, went to the Stanley Cup, went to the playoffs for two years in a row. And, you know, they needed guys like that. They need guys who can uh, build the foundation, put 
guys on the field, put them in the right path to teach the other players how to win and make sure that they respect them for years to come. Because I know uh, Pharrell in, at Clemson was a leader on and off the field. He was well regarded by teammates that, you know, he was a true leader and players respected Correct. him. And he was the, the leader of the defense over there, you know. Yeah, and you know what? And I look back at last year's draft, uh, even though it was McKenzie and Gruden, I look back and you look at, you know, some of the people or some of the draft choices that they made with um, Arden Key and Maurice Hurst and PJ Hall. These guys all have motors. And what, what I saw with them is they want to play and they want to stay Raiders. And if you see some of the, the comments that they made last year as a rookie class, they want to stay Raiders. And I think they love working for that team. And I think they love being part of Gruden's grinders. And this started last year and this year. And you know what? The Golden Knights, you mentioned the Golden Knights and the development that they have gone through. They embedded themselves into this community. They were Vegas born. Uh, they, it's, it's on the license plate. And that's what the mantra yeah. is, is they were Vegas born. And that's a unique situation for that hockey team and for, for our community because it was right after, uh, the, the Route 91 massacre tragedy. They embedded themselves in this community. At the same time, they became a winning product, which helped the fan base, which helped our community, the Vegas strong community to get over and to help heal through that whole tragedy. For the Raiders, it is imperative. And I, you know, and I hate to say it, but it is imperative for them to get off on the right foot to get the, the Vegas fan base. Because honestly, we are a very finicky fan base. You know, I, yeah. I remember yeah. coming here in, in the mid eighties and I was, I was in the military back in the nineties and I came back home and we were just going through that, 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 um, with the rebels, the running rebels at that time. And we were all in on the Rebels. We were, and they became the national champions. And you saw the community come together. We didn't have anything after that. It's been a steady, and, and the football team, the Rebels football team, is, you know, it hasn't been that great. But to have the, the Golden Knights from in their first year uh, as a expansion team to go and make it to the Stanley Cup Finals was amazing for this city. And that's what we need to see with the Raiders. And and I think it goes back to Gruden and Mayock having a strategic plan, Mark Davis and his team having a strategic plan going forward and bring this is gonna be this is gonna be a unique year for the Raiders. And they should, and I say this, they should have a, a fairly successful year this year with the players, not only the draft, but the free agency in the or the free agent players that they brought in to assist, they should have a very decent year this year to get on, you know, and we have a rough, you know, the AFC West is always competitive, but I think we should make strides this year going into next year's draft and free agency with the, the ability to bring another couple of first rounders, some more Gruden grinders, Mayock maniacs that I call to, to continue making the nucleus of this team to be a successful team coming into Vegas. Yeah, and going back to what you said about the 
flaky fan base. You saw that even with the Knights this year. When they were on their skid, there were a lot of away fans coming to games and everything. You saw more away fans. And, you know, teams need to win when they are in Vegas because no one goes to the Run Rebels games. These days, it's almost like, you know, I mean, there were reported about 7,500 people, 8,000 people at every game. And so, and I agree that, you know, they, the Raiders need to win now, of course. And winning cures know, everything. Win winning cures everything. Oh, it does. It does. It, it, it definitely cures everything and makes everyone feel good. And, you know, that's how you, you draw the fans because to make winning makes you feel good and they'll attend the games because it makes them feel good for that day and the rest of the week. Because I know even when I, I was in Cleveland when a team would win a game, you know, but the whole city, it lifted up the city. And, you know, it, it does the same here with, you know, we've seen with the Knights, we've seen with, uh, the Rebels, when they beat Reno this past year in football, you've seen it when, you know, you know, the win. I was at, like, that, I was at that game, Kalen. Oh, wow. Same, same here. I, yeah. I did. I was with Joe with that game, so. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know Joe yeah. was at the game. Yeah, I was, I was yeah, doing my, events at my daughter. Yeah, my my daughter actually, you know, and I hate to say this on, on the air, but my daughter actually goes to Reno. And uh so it, it was important for her to be Bless down here during that game. <laughs> yeah, so she wasn't happy. I I I bet. I bet I did I I I mean I work over at somewhere in uh downtown Stumlin up here and one person actually transferred from believe it or not, from Reno to go to UNLV, and they were stoked. They were stoked after that game. Oh, very good. And, but, yeah, and going back to uh, the Ra Raiders talk, what you said about uh, strategic plans, you saw that today in this draft. You saw, I mean, I got a feeling that Mayock and Gruden, they worked very well together, and, you know, they felt like they didn't reach for a player, they got the players that fell to them. They didn't have to necessarily trade up to get any player. They they, they got what uh, fell to them. I know Joe was saying to me earlier that the Raiders had an offer to trade down, but it didn't work out for either side, so that's why they took Pharrell at four. And I know that several people on NFL they, Network, they said that um, if Mayock had slide Pharrell that high in a mock draft, everyone would have thought that was a steal. But because he's not there during the mock, you know, people thought he was somewhat overdrafted. But, you know, uh, I I do think they Pharrell predicted that sets a Mayock tone for that team. Mayock predicted at the, you know, a couple weeks, maybe after after all the pro days, he made the statement or there was a statement out in the media that, there was going to be a surprise pick at four. And, you know, everybody had their thought process that it was either going to be Quinnen or, or maybe, maybe Kyler doesn't get picked at one. Maybe Nick go, Bosa doesn't go. So there was a lot of, and, and it mostly revolved around all the Twitter GMs and all the medias that was thinking that the Raiders were going to go with a quarterback 
at four or trade up, you know, for possibly a quarterback. Cause that was, everybody was saying that there was, uh, there yeah. was it was ridiculous and it was driving me crazy. It was making me like that. nuts. So, so when, when they made that statement, uh, I think it was Mayock that made the statement in the media that it was going to be a surprise pick. It lived out to be true. It was a surprise pick because I was at the, uh, as a club, a club PSL holder, I had the ability, the Raiders threw a draft party at Dre's nightclub on the first oh, yeah, night I, on the Thursday. Night. Oh yeah. I, I, I saw that. I saw that. That looked cool. Yeah. It was packed. There was a lot of people there. It was standing room only. The good thing was they were serving free beer. It was, that was good. <laughs> When they made the pick on Pharrell, there was almost a, it was almost like every there was people taken back. It was almost like going back to the days of Al Davis when he'd make a Darius Darius Hayward Bay pick. It was almost like whoa, this guy wasn't on the on on the radar. And then when you sit, you watch all the real and realize that Cleveland Farrell, he's going to be a god. A, good player for the Raiders. He is going to be a centerpiece for that defense. We'll see how it play plays Maybe out. the guy that people look up to. Yes. He is a person that I think sets a standard for other players. And you pair him with like a Maurice Hurst and, and PJ Hall. And Arden Key seems to be building into a good role model. If you watch him on Instagram, he's, he's a new dad. He's got a baby. And you watch Maurice Hurst. He's going to Michigan or, or all these business schools. They're putting a lot of emphasis on leadership, you know, through education, through being family members. So you're starting to see this, this nucleus being developed. And when, when Farrell was taken, it was like, Oh wait, he's not a Josh Allen. He's not a, he's not a Quinn and Williams. He's not a Nick Bosa, but you know what? He brings an intensity from a different standpoint, potentially with the leadership ability, and he fits Gunther's defense. I, I yeah, yeah, and you need guys who fit his defense. With how uh, terrible the defense was last year, I think. He, I mean, ESPN had them rated in the bottom, bottom ten of the league, and it's like you know you need guys who fit that defense to take that to another level. Because that was really a weak point in the team. Because, you know, I, I've said this before, Derek Carr, through 10 games, didn't even throw an interception. I mean, you think the offense was a problem last year? I mean, to an extent it was, but they still scored 40 in some games. And, you know, but the defense gave up too many points for the offense to Derek even have a Carr. spot to shine. Derek Carr is not the problem in for the Raiders. And I've been beating this drum, you know, I've been beating this drum. When you have a defense over the last, what, how, how long has he been? Five years? This is going on his sixth year. And probably the best defense he had, if I'm not mistaken, was 16th in the, in the league. And that was the year, uh, the year that they were 12 and four. Yeah. Their yeah. defense, their, their coaching, they, they, you know, uh, Norton and, and Del Rio. They were defensive specialists, but they could never get the right players, the team, the, 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 the defense, the really, they had some good games. They had some good players, but it never really panned out. Gunther, 
We've got a real defensive coordinator. We're building this nucleus of a defensive team to maybe help stop the offense on the other team, maybe give yeah. the ball back to Derek Carr so he can do his magic with a new set of receivers and now a first-round draft pick for a run. I don't remember a running back ever going in first round for the Raiders except, what, Marcus Allen, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken? I, I believe, I believe him, you're right. Him, I believe you're right. Yeah, having him uh, as the now potentially feature back and who, you know what, I watch, my, my wife is from Alabama and my wife, and I get to watch all the Alabama games. So watching him part time, uh, running with, uh, you know, uh, mixing it up with, Dan, uh, what's his name, Damian Harris? That kid was electrifying with the, with the opportunities that he got. Now given, put him in the role as Charlie Garner, uh, from when Gruden was the coach the last time. I think this kid is going to shine. He can block, yeah, he is, catch, and, he can run. Yeah, and he and he knows how to win too. And you know, I saw some of his catches. I I looked at him. I was like, "Is he a receiver?" Because it's like the way he catches, like the way he catches the ball, it's almost like a receiver does is do it through it in stride, and he caught it. And it was like, it was like you know, where this can come from because you know. I know at the beginning of the year, I believe Davian Harris is supposed to be a lead back, but Josh Jacobs took took that role and ran with it. And, you know, he shot draft for his multifaceted um, style and, you know, less yardage. And he's all, he also knows how to win, as we said, they need a win-now attitude. And he's a, he, he's a leader. I don't, I don't remember him getting in trouble at all at Alabama. Which is a good thing, and then nope. with Corell going down with the Achilles injury, you know it. It's even it's even a better pick for them because you know being in need of a running back now. I, I mean they signed Doug Martin, but he's not what he used to be in Tampa Bay, and he missed seven hundred yards last year. And Josh Jacobs this year is going to, you know, sort of be the bell cow for the Raiders, be that multi-dimensional guy through the Raiders have needed for some time because, you know, I mean, when was their last good running back? What, uh, it was, uh, I, I know he played for Dallas a couple years ago. Uh, McFadden. Um, McFadden. Yeah, 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 McFadden, thanks. And, and the person who can take the ball and run with it, and he fits Gruden's offense. Another, again, another perfect fit for the system that they're implementing. And, you know, from a running back, and I'm going to go back to the defense here in a second, but another running back that intrigues me that, that just, and he was, he was put on IR last year because I believe that they believe that the leadership believed that he would probably get picked up if they left him on the practice squad. What well, is, is Warren, Chris Warren, Chris Warren the third. That kid intrigues me as a running back. And just that, that Green Bay game, uh, in preseason, you know, and that's just a small sampling of a of his work. We don't know what his um, what his work ethic is. We don't know how how he goes about his business, like the leadership does. He intrigues me though. He's big. He's physical. He's quick. Or for for a guy, he's powerful. And he was running through people in that in that Green Bay game. 
he was running through and over people. I'm curious to see if, how he gets his shot and if he sticks on the roster this year or if he's going to go to a practice squad. Um, yeah, but you don't, you don't keep a guy with an injury, you know, for a whole year, even if correct. he's, yeah, you don't keep a guy unless he, you know, he's going to do something or you have a strong belief that he is going to do something. I mean, you know, normally guys who are drafted do at least if they're placed in IR. Yes, I have a feeling that he, if he makes the squad, he's going to make um, probably Deand- DeAndre expendable. He might make um, Doug Martin expendable because he is going to be the Tyrone Wheatley from the nine or the late nineties, early two thousand. He's going to be the Tyrone Wheatley to Josh Jacobs being the Charlie Garner in Gruden's old offense. Yeah. I, yeah, because, you know, in Gruden's offense, you need backs who can, you know, carry the Duke and, you know, and you need multifaceted, uh, running backs, in which case, uh, Chris Warren can be that one. Now, going back to the defense then, real quick, um, with, uh, our third first round pick, John Abrams, the strong, the safety, uh, from Mississippi Ooh, I, State. I, 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 lo- I dude, love that kid. That dude is a missile. And now here, here's, here's, here's the interesting thing that I, that I'm, that I'm looking at him and the way he goes about his business, very charismatic, you know, watching Good Morning America or Good Morning Football. He was on there before the draft and that kid is just impeccably dressed. He carries himself well, very charismatic. Seems very dedicated. Has a he has a, a a baby, a child. Seems like a good you know individual. Seems like a leader. He talks a lot of trash on the field, but he backs it up. And pair him now. I heard there's some like a lot of here we go again with the the Twitter GMs out there saying that the Raiders are putting Carl Joseph up on a, um, a you know potentially up for trade bait. I want to see those two because Carl Joseph lays wood when he gets the opportunity. You put him and they, they John Abram together, those dudes, it's going to be like the old, old Raiders, the Raiders that I remember from back in the 70s. Tatum, Atkinson, just blowing people up. Soul Patrol. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I researched uh, Abram myself. And those hits that he delivers, I was, I was taken aback. I mean, one thing, one problem I did have with him, he tries to track the ball well enough, but he just doesn't seem to, uh, get that big interception or get that big play. I mean, he did have a few in college, but, you know, I, that's one thing I didn't like, but his big hits and his pass breakups, he can do those on a regular basis, which the Raiders have needed for Quite some time, you know. I mean, like you, I think like he'll, you said, I think he'll be the old Raiders. Yeah, I think he'll be uh, a lot better than Reggie Nelson. Reggie Nelson filled a, a spot for many years, and he's definitely going to be more athletic. But what he's going to bring, what he might miss in tracking the ball, and might you know not being able to to find the ball for the interceptions, if he gets the opportunity to. And hopefully or we don't get penalized, which, you know, it'll probably happen and we'll be yelling at the TV. But he's probably going to yeah. 
blow some people up, which is going to cause them to hesitate, get those alligator arms like uh, Terrell Owens used to have going across the middle because they are he is going to light people up. Along with Carl, they're both going to light people up, and nobody's going to want to go over the middle. None, none of these small receivers, they're not going to be wanting to get hit like that. Yeah. They they don't risk another, you know, West Welker or some or injuries or too many concussions, something like that. They you know, they'd rather avoid that. I mean, and with his four four five speed, you know, it it's of course going to make guys scared because he can stick with anyone. Exactly. You know, I'm uh I'm not upset with that pick. I think that was uh, again, he considers that a found uh Mayock considers that a foundational player. So I see him, you know, and they just look happy. If you watch the videos when they were, they were, you know, of course, it's the moment of their entire life. They put in all this work and all this effort to get to where they're at. They get picked in the first round, which is financial security for them going into the future. Yeah. But they yeah. actually look, they're almost like last year's draft class. They look happy to be there. They look happy that they're part of, this organization, this organization that, that has been around and has been doing what they do for, what, 30, 40 years now, they are just, they just seem happy to be there. And you don't, you know, I don't remember a lot of people, you know, it was always a business thing over the last yeah. 10, 15 years, you know, with, with all the losing going on. These and these these new draft picks seem like they want to be there. The free agents seem like they want to be there, which just bodes well for us going into the future, coming here to Vegas and hopefully getting our fan base established. Just like just like up in Oakland, you know, we we're gonna get some we're gonna get some uh, some naysayers to start out with, but you got us diehards still there, getting tickets, showing up for games doing what we do in the community, wanting to do what we can. And the team has been doing that also. They've been doing, you know, the charity work, the foundational work, the, the lay that groundwork, getting players here, getting the alum here so that they see and they feel us in the, in the community or they feel the, the community feels them out here to start. And I think that's impressive that they're doing both here in Vegas, and still doing their thing up in Oakland, in the community up in Oakland. That just shows what Mark Davis brings to the table. He he legitimately cares about the communities. Yeah, and I know we had we had Leo Gray here uh, about a month ago on the show, and he was talking about how much involved the Raiders are in the city, how they're a first-class organization, how they have built and are still building the, you know, the huge sort of community outreach here in Las Vegas. A couple of weeks ago, they had, uh, at local high school, they had, you know, workouts, something like a combine for local athletes and, and where they donated $25,000 in a check. And it, it's just great to see that uh, community outreach. And I, and they're, you know, for them to get involved this early and even last year is, you know, a true testament to what they stand for. Yeah, and going forward, once they get here, it's going to be, they're going to be dedicated to Las Vegas. 
and you're going to see the players out and about. You're going to see more and more functions at schools and community centers and uh, throughout the holidays. If you, you know, you watch over the years, you watch like Donald Penn, he would get all the offensive linemen together and go and buy hundreds of turkeys and be able to give dinners away to less fortunate people in the Oakland community. You're going to see the same thing happening here. It's going to be full-time dedicated to Las Vegas, seeing the charity and the donations and, and what what philanthropy that, that these players and the organization do for the community when, when they embed themselves in here. And it'll just make everybody, you know, everybody will see what they're doing, just like what the Golden Knights do with their foundation and their charities and what they're doing in the community. You're going to double that because look at the NFL and look at, look at the amount of players that we, uh, that a team fields as compared to a hockey team. It's going to be just an amazing adventure going forward for this city and for our community and for the state of Nevada. Yeah, because football is America's sport. I mean, hockey is, uh, you know, played more globally, but football is America's sport and Vegas is going to feel something different when they win, when they get more involved because they sort of do double duty now. And when they put all their eggs in one basket here in Las Vegas, you know, it's going to be that much bigger, that much more felt around the whole city and the vibe we totally different around them as compared to what it has been for hockey. I mean, everyone is, you know, up in arms about hockey, but when uh, Las Vegas, uh, actually gets an NFL team starting player. That is only going to be magnified. At least in my opinion, that is only going to be maximized to its fullest potential because nothing excites the city more than football in the eight games yes. that they play at home. Oh, and wait. And, uh, I know you wanted to talk about this too is wait until next year's draft. Oh yeah, twenty twenty. I mean, they, they were talking. Lost. They were talking about last year, this year. Nashville is being known as Nash Vegas. I mean, sixteen thousand yes. people went last year, but imagine how many people are going to come here. They talked about the draft here going to be the first billion dollar event for Las Vegas, and they talked about how big it was there. And they don't think anything get here, but wait until they actually get here. Wait until they see how many people are going to flock here. How how crazy it's going to be because. I mean, to be honest, they might as well cancel UOV's classes for the whole week because, you know, it's going to be so crazy. Everyone's going, it's going to cause so much traffic, but it's going to be so much fun and it's going to be it, so much, the vibe is just going to be like so much more electric. Yes. I am, I am convinced that it'll equal or bypass or surpass um, New Year's Eve. I I truly oh, believe I, I that went, after seeing after seeing what what Nashville just put on in their location, and I mean no disrespect to Nashville, but Nashville is not Las Vegas. And to bring the new team and then bring an NFL draft here, holy cow! What an event! What what? I, I you know it, it it gives me chills thinking about it because. How how often does you know? Remember when they used to do the draft in New York every year at the same place? This is the smart new global 
NFL. And they are making, you know, despite all the problems a couple of years ago with the, the uh, uh, disrespecting the flag, they still get a lot of fans. And the fans will flock to, hey, it's a vacation in Vegas along with the NFL draft. Woo! How, how, how cool is that? I know. It's going to be great. I mean, I I can't begin to imagine. I mean, to be honest, Asheville well, is has like nothing on us because we throw those events every week and or every day, I should say. And right, you know, here it's going to be like the whole place will be rocking. And you know, I mean, I'm I'm I maybe a million people are going to come out for it because. You know, who doesn't want to attend a draft in Vegas? You know, it was in New York for several years. You know, maybe the Realize Las Vegas should host every NFL draft after this, you know, because, you know, I mean, I'm, uh, of course, the, uh, the announcers and analysts are going to say, hey, it, you know, this is a great place to host it. But, you know, they should look at, uh, Las Vegas for what it is and, See the potential if they did more often here. This next season is going to be crazy. Yeah, and then take it a step further. Look at the strategic thinking that you know. I go back to strategy and strategic thinking and global thinking, looking above and beyond for the simple fact that this is a precursor to the use of our stadium for a potential Super Bowl. What twenty twenty five? Oh yeah, twenty six in there. This is the precursor. This is going to show the NFL that we have the security in place, that we're capable of handling the volume of tourists that will be coming in for a big event like this, which we've already done through the years. The NBA draft the 10 years ago, the every year since 2000 going forward on New Year's Eve, we've done these big events and it's secure. We handle our business. This will show the NFL going forward, that this city would be capable of handling a Super Bowl, which is a whole nother spectacle of an event. And oh, yeah. it would just I mean, bring so much and generate so much. They knew what they were doing when they brought the Raiders to Las Vegas or to Nevada. Yeah, they, they knew that, what that they, they did. Doing. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I agree with you that the Super Bowl is, uh, is, would be even a bigger spectacle here. But to take it, you know, um, context, put, you know, they say they put the draft in cities where they can't particularly host a Super Bowl, but, you know, the, the Raiders were in discussions for 2025 for the Super Bowl. And with that being in the discussion, they'll have to definitely take, you know, a second and third look at hosting it here because, you know, after the draft, it's just, They'll realize what they've gotten into. I mean, they they know what they're getting into, but they don't really know until they actually get here. Right. It's going to be stupid money. Stupid money for everybody. Stupid money for the NFL. Stupid money for for Nevada, for Las Vegas. Um, it's just going to be ridiculous. Uh, and it all starts next year. And I yeah. can't wait. I'm, you know what. <laughs> I'm getting, and I tell my wife this all the time, and I've been telling her <laughs> since the inception, since the inception of the thought pro 
process from the SMTIC uh, when they were going through the meetings here in Vegas about the potential and Mark Davis coming down here and, and laying it out. And from all those meetings forward, I've been I've been steadily watching it with with Joe and with Scott Winter and everybody. We've been paying attention to it with the owners meeting when they approved it. And we were down there in Phoenix. I was with Joe and Scott and Ned. We were down there when it happened and, and just the vibe that was going on, minus a few staying open fools, but everything was just like set and everything has just been happening. And now the stadium's being built. The, the draft is coming. They, the NFL, the Raiders, they have this figured out and they will have the fan base they need. We will have an exceptional team going forward. Our team is going to get better. Mark Davis bringing in Gruden for a 10-year. There was a reason why why he established a 10-year contract for Gruden. Yeah, because he knew he... that they needed consistency. Oh, yeah. Bring back a, bring back a guy that, that Raider Nation loved back in the day and that we never got a oh, chance yeah. to see the fruition of, of what Gruden was doing back then. Bring him mm -hmm. back. Now you got Mayock, man. Every step has been just, just an amazing adventure that I've seen. And I've been, and I'm lucky that I've been part of it. Now I'm lucky that I, um, I have my seats. I have, I paid my PSLs. I'm set for that. My kids will have them because all my girls, I have three girls. My, my daughters are all Raider fans. You know, they, mm -hmm. they couldn't, they couldn't. They couldn't get away from it. They've been there up in Oakland. I take them every year. You know, I, I don't worry about the fan base hurting them. Um, they have, you know, once once I pass, and I, that's what I've been telling my wife going back to this, after everything's been said and done, I'm getting older, and I better damn sure make sure that I get to see one game, at least one game in this stadium. I have to live long enough to make sure that I see this game. Hey, you, you, and then you don't, going you don't forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. I'm probably old enough to be your dad. But my daughters I mean, will always have those seats. So They're theirs. <laughs> yeah, eh, eh, I'm old enough to be your father because my daughter's older than mm -hmm. you. <laughs> but yeah, I can't, I, I am so jazzed. I'm so geeked. I was so happy to hear. And what better way as a lifelong Raider fan? I mean, talking going back to the seventies, lifelong Raider fan. That I've tried, I've watched, you know, having to read newspaper articles because that's what we did in the seventies. There was no internet, no, none of that nonsense. And then recording games on a little Walkman. I'd sit and listen to it on a radio <laughs> in my teen years and record it on a Walkman. So I have a game tape on actually Walkman. Um, to the point where now my favorite football team and I did. And I was never a hockey fan until the Gold Knights got here, but I'm Same Raiders here. first, here. Gold Knights second. And to have my lifelong team come to the city that I live in and have the ability over the next, you know, however long I get the opportunity to be on this planet, to have seats in a stadium, to be able to go to football games on a Sunday, right down 20 minutes away, maybe longer with traffic tailgate and parking lots and we'll figure out the parking situation that just makes me so happy and it makes me happy for my daughters and for my family 
because they'll be able to go to games too and enjoy the time and enjoy the family time. And I can't wait to the time that I get to see a Raider game and then go see a Golden Knights game in the same day. That's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. That will, and, you know, say you have a good vibe then because I know I lived in Cleveland. They have a football team. You felt that energy there. There was just something different when the Browns won than compared to, like, NBA or any other sport for that matter. And then I lived in Tennessee. There was, like, only a baseball team and college basketball and stuff, but th- there, was, there wasn't much. It was, like, Northeast Tennessee, Johnson City. And then I moved to Northern Idaho. There was nothing. You sort of felt nothing because nothing, uh, no sports team was there. Then I moved here. And, I mean, it was with the Golden Knights, but when, leading up to the Knights, there wasn't that much big of a vibe as there is now with the Raiders because you feel that it's it's different. It's a different type of electricity when you know the Raiders are coming here, when the NFL comes in the city, when football comes in the city, when pro football comes in the city. There's there's just a different vibe about it, and you feel the city. You feel everyone get a little more excited because everyone knows that it's their sport. Everyone loves watch it because. The Super Bowl is one of the most watched events in you know TV, on TV these days, and I mean it's it's going to be it's so different that that football vibe it's really hard to explain. And I mean for you for your home your Raiders to come to Vegas it's just I'm just speechless. It's like you know to get your hometown team. Or to get your home team to uh, Las Vegas to your city, it's you know it's it's amazing. It feels like you know your long lost friend that you never thought would move, you know, come right. down to right. ve- uh, to Vegas and to your city. It's like you know, it's like you never thought this could happen in a million years, but then all of a sudden it happens, and you know, it's it, it's it's just special. Yeah, I could tell you that I spend, you know, basically every day reading about the Raiders, looking at, you know, and I find, I, I follow them on different, you know, social media platforms and all the players and everything like that. But there's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't look at, read some kind or go on, go on the Oakland Raiders or the Raiders site, or the official site. I, <laughs> this is gonna, this is creepy, but. I actually go on to the um, the the cam, the live cam of the stadium being built, and oh, look yeah. every day to see the progress going on with the stadium, which is amazing, <laughs> and how fast they're putting that stadium up. I look. I, yeah, they I only have two more, twenty-two more trusses to put on, too. Correct, correct. They've got it down to a T. With um, I forget what his name. One of the Raider guys. One of the, uh, the executives that is running the project, he said that they've got it down to where they can get a truss a day now. They, through trial and error, they figured it out from the first couple of them. So now they're now they're going to be moving pretty quick with that. But yeah, yeah, I, because I, the other day they have the two because of the high winds a couple weeks ago. I heard yes. eighteen miles and eighteen mile per hour winds. If it's anything less than eighteen miles per hour, they can put the trusses up. But if it's uh eighteen or more. They can't put it yeah. up their stop for that day because, you know, it's yeah, the I most saw, dangerous part of the, the project and they need to, they need to have that, they need to have that down. They need to have it done by opening day because 
I believe it's supposed to be done like a couple weeks in advance of the first preseason game at Las right. Vegas Stadium, and you know, and for them to put, get it down to a T, get one trust up, then some days get two. That's that's spectacular progress because you know coming from nothing, then being built off-site, then putting on-site is is just amazing work of art because, you know, the L.A. Stadium is going to be opened at the same time, but, yeah. you know, have taken a year longer because it's built on-site and for amazing that project. Because I drive right by there every day on my way home from UNLV, and it's just, right. it's just amazing how fast that thing has gone up. I drove by there the first day, and it's like, huh? This holds the NFL Stadium, like, huh? Like, I can't believe it's here. Right. And then I see it now, and I've seen it every day. I'm like, huh? Like, that was just yesterday. I mean, yeah. like, it it seems almost unreal how fast the project has gone on and how fast it has been built because, you know, a couple of years ago, it was yeah. just dust yeah, and got... dirt over there. It was nothing. Right. We got to give a shout out, and I got to give a shout out to um, 872 and those guys, Tommy White and their and their union and the union workers and all the local workers and contractors and everybody and all those those individuals that are putting a lot of time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears into putting this stadium and getting it done oh, yeah. fast and I, safely. I, I see. Them. I haven't heard of any issues. Yeah, I see them because I work over at uh, Trader Joe's and some of them come through the store every day and I see them and it's like, you know, and I talk to them, they're like, yeah, it's going up. It's so great to be part of this project. Like, I'm part of the project. I'm one of the founders of this team. Like, it makes them feel so good to talk about and they love to talk about it because they're so proud of the work they've done, which is so great. And, you know, and then the they just can't wait for it to be done because it's like they're so excited and I I do have to give a big shout out, a big thank you to you know 702 for you know sticking to the project and doing everything humanly possible to get that big huge uh, project done on time I believe they said it's supposed to be like a five year build that they're doing in two right. years which is which yep. is amazing you know, and, and, and the, and it just happens, you know, and I've, I've been paying attention to this too, is our weather this year, the over the past. And <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that we get a lot of rain and, and, you know, I love, I love our winters and everything, but we don't usually get this much weather, inclement weather like we've yeah. had this year. And I almost thought yeah, maybe, you know, this might hold us back, but you know what? They're not, it's not going to stop us because all they have to do is uh, set up another uh, shift of workers and, they continue doing what they do all through the night, and it's not going to. This stadium will not uh, fall behind schedule. It's going to open when it needs, uh, when it's supposed to be open and ready to go for UNLV and for for future Las Vegas Raiders football. Yeah, that that's really good because you know getting that project done in time is a handful, very big handful because you know. It's immense. It's a, a huge, the huge project is it's going to be, it's a $1.8 billion stadium. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, 
again, I'm again, I get speeches very easily, but it's, it's amazing because you know I see that all occurs and I see where pieces are going to fall into place. But it's like you know, it makes me excited. Is it's like whoa, we're stepping up our game here in Las Vegas. Everyone is stepping up their game. I'm like whoa because you know you see the new the newness of it is so amazing then with that with the two different fields come in like the cardinals in uh phoenix and it's just you know for both of us to have the retractable field and everything it's just amazing how the engineers and everyone are able to put that together so fast and able to you know have everything work uh smoothly and solve all the problems with ease because you know with something like that that that's really hard to do yep for sure we'll be right back after this you're listening to spit in silver and black on the silver black pride podcast network on sb nation 